Welcome to the Winner's Circle with Taya Sloan and Derek Pang. Let's go, hero. All right, what's up? We dancing. Welcome back to the Winner's Circle, everybody. I'm so excited for our guest this week. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you guys people who are going for their win in the real world. And what going for your win looks like is following your bliss, chasing your passions, standing up to whatever adversity you might encounter on that path, and just like living your dream, no matter what the difficulties you may face are. So I'm super excited for our guest this week. Derek, if you'd please introduce her. Yeah, absolutely. That was super beautifully said, Taiha. <laughs> and our guest today has done all of that. She grew up in Amman, where she played tennis competitively as a child and later on she graduated as an aerospace engineer in india she moved locations numerous times in her life from amman china the uk usa brazil colombia and the ivory coast before leaving the engineer world behind to become a movement and breast specialist now a wim hof instructor teaching seminars all over I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest, Taiha, and our audience, Shireen Youssef. Welcome to the Winter Circle. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank for you, me. Derek. Thank you, Taiha. That was wow. I uh, I need to record that introduction. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Thank you. Well, you are you are an amazing person. You've done such incredible things, and I can't wait to get into that. Um, we ask, we start every interview with the same question, and I, th I feel it's a very important question for um, everyone to know, and that is your mission. What is your mission here on Earth in this current reality plane that we are in existence in? So, Shireen, I'm coming at you with that question. What <laughs> wow, is your what? mission? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to start, huh? Okay, so, uh, so I have only one goal that I'm aware of and that is uh, to be one with um, you know depends on what what word you want to call it for me I call it God some people call it the source um, some people call it the universe some people call it energy um, I just call it God and I say that my mission my purpose all of it in life is to be one with God um, and I think I um, Life is so interesting, you know, every time I feel like I'm getting to a place where I'm getting closer and I feel like I can taste it. I'm so close, you know, um, you know, another thing happens and I realize, wow, I have such a long way to go. So I'm grateful that I have uh, this journey, at least I hope another 40, 45 years uh, left of this journey. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have this time. Because I know there are many people who don't um, re realize this or when they do, they're already in their 70s or they're already in their 80s. And at that point, you know, there's, it's not that there's not enough time, but I'm just grateful I have about another 40 years <laughs> to, to pursue my, my, my dream, my mission, my goal, my purpose, whatever you want to call it. Wow, that was so beautifully said and so simple. I think a lot of the time we complicate things and and I feel that mission just kind of encompasses so much because we are all we are all extensions of that source and learning how to become one with each other and 
source and God um, is just so beautiful. And, and it's crazy. I can really relate to that because there's so many times where I'm like, wow, I'm so far from where I came. And then as you said, something else happens and you're like, wow, I had all that going to do. And I still am like having all these years to go, like what is even going to happen? Um, but it's, it's really cool to just be on this lifelong journey. Like there's no end, right? You're, you're going to just constantly be working to get closer and closer doing the best you can every single day. And, and that's beautiful. I think a lot of people focus on that end and finally getting there. And the truth is we're, like there is not there. It's never going to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, wow. You know, I feel like it, it involves so much, just like what you said, you know, and it's the recognition of what God means to you and, Mm -hmm. you know, what the source means to you and the realization that, you know, uh, loving everyone as they are accepting everything as it is, Uh, recognizing that things are meant to be exactly the way they're supposed to be, complete acceptance of all situations, complete surrender to everything that life brings to you. Um, You know, I always say that this is why we do what we do. This is why we're teaching breath or learning meditation or learning tools to basically combat that feeling when you feel separated from the source. And then you're able to use the tools to come back to the source. That's it. I I genuinely believe that every single tool that we are learning is to always remind us that we have to be love always in every single situation, you know, and it's, I'm sure you all are aware and I'm sure everyone who's listening to is aware that it's almost a feat that is um, pretty impossible Sometimes, you know, when I think about it and I'm consistently trying to be that all the time, you know, I'm, I, I was born Muslim. I uh, returned to religion last year. Um, and this year I uh, heard a friend of mine when I was telling her about this, she said to me, oh, what you are trying to attain is Christ consciousness. And I actually had not heard of this term before, you know, so I uh, thought, okay, you know, somebody said a term so they know what I'm talking about. Let me let me explore that uh, in a little more depth. So I joined Bible study and I'm doing Bible study once a, once a week now. And it's been glorious. You know, I'm really grateful that I started that because now I'm exploring this path through religion. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went one, one full 360 where I grew up Muslim, completely hated and detested my religion, thought it was the root of all evil in the world and I didn't want to be associated with my religion at all. And, you know, I obviously uh, came to the US at a time when there were a lot of terrorism and there was a lot of terrorist attacks. So that made me even go even deeper and really not want to talk about that part of my life at all, you know? Mm. And uh, I'm grateful that I was able to get into meditation through breath, you know? And in my meditation, I heard uh, the voice that said, go back into religion. And I mm-hmm. did not want to do it. You know, I was, there was a very, no, <laughs> not, not going there. But that entire path took me down the road of realizing that it's not religion, you know, it's the perception of religion. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful that I had, the, I had an open mind. I had the ability to say, go back in again. Today you're an adult. Today, you have so many more tools. 
you're not the same human being you were 10, 15 years ago. Today you go in and it is not about what other people are teaching you. It is about what you understand from what you're reading. And I got back into something called Sufism, which is, um, I don't know if you've heard of Rumi. Rumi is mm-hmm. a famous poet. Rumi was a Sufi. And so I got back into Islam through the path of Sufism, um, which is the path of love. You know, it was the path that really called to me. Uh, and I loved the book that I picked up, the, the first book that was given to me when I was really trying. Because after I got into it, it took me another six or seven months to actually meet someone who was following that path. So that was also uh, quite an arduous path. And then the first book that I got, which was Awakening to the Heart, the Sufi way, really resonated with me. I just knew because I believe that we as we are as um, wives or husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever you want to call it, having a job. We don't have to leave our lives. We don't have to go and look for spirituality. We don't have to leave who we are. We can find whatever it is that we're looking for right here, right now, in the four walls of our own houses, in our own locations. We don't have to go to any other country. We don't have to go to any other place. We can find it right here, right now. And that was the first thing that was written when I opened that book. And I said, okay, I I am willing to go down this path. I'm willing to see what um, religion can teach me because when I got into religion, I was already in the path of faith. You know, I realized that there's only so much you can know. There is a path that you need to feel. And then there is a path that you don't know and you don't feel, you just have plain faith. Mm -hmm. And religion for me is that area, is plain faith, you know, so uh, yeah. Beautiful. I love what you said about always looking back. Derek, would you mind muting yourself really quick? Um, love is just what our divine essence is. That's what we are born with, right? When we are babies, that's all that we know. We know physical pain and discomfort and love. Yet through life, we just are learning all of this fear. We're learning all of this distrust, all of that. That's not what we are born with. And learning how to come home, come back to ourselves through this inner work with all of the tools that you're discussing is so empowering because it's just not really what we're taught anymore in, in at least in America. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's what I've been working on. Derek has been working on a lot, especially in these past several months. Like it's insane to see as I've gone inward more and found that space within me, the ex like there's going to be things happening in the external world all the time that will like would have pulled me to those learned feelings of fear. But the more I find that space of love within myself, the more I can send that out to others. And I feel like that's all we can do to really heal this planet. Like there's just so much not love everywhere (laughs) that the more that we focus on finding that within ourselves, the more the whole vibration of the whole planet is going to, going to rise. So true. So true. I, you know, I thought this was a very famous saying and I said it this weekend and I said, you know, like everybody says, and I said it and immediately the person was like, I've never heard it. So I'll say now, (laughs) you know, the, the very common saying, which is this man says, you know, I was so unhappy 
and I knew my family had to change. And then when I realized it wasn't my family, then I knew my society had to change. Then I didn't realize it was my society. My country had to change. Then it was the world. And then it hit me at the end of my life that I was the only one who had to change. And, you know, even Mahatma Gandhi says, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. If you are, um, you are unhappy with something or you don't feel like something's right, turn within, you know, turn within and try and understand where, what, where am I? Where am I on this topic? How do I feel about this topic? Where are my feelings coming from? What do I think? Where is my heart at? You know, instead of judging everybody else, instead of passing an opinion on someone else, it's so easy, you know, so easy. I, uh, you know, with everything that Derek said in the introduction, I realize I'm very blessed to have had a lot of exposure to many cultures, to many religions too, you know, because I grew up Muslim. And then when I was in India, I was very, very uh, exposed to Hinduism. And then, you know, I went to China. I lived in China for some time. And that was the first time I came across a country that most of the people I met didn't follow any religion. You know, and I didn't even know that was even a possibility. That there were people who lived in this world that didn't follow anything. You know, that was my first. And I was 18 when that happened, you know. Wow. And then I came, came to the United States and I realized, wow, Christianity is big here. You know, and then when I lived in uh, Brazil, it wasn't just Christianity, it was evangelic. It was, there's more to it, you know, and I'm just like, wow, man, there's so much in this world that I don't know anything about. I have no exposure to. And there is a very quick need for us to feel that I am right, they are wrong. Mm -hmm. They are not doing what I'm used to. Who is right here, you know? And then the question, when that happens to you again and again and again, the realization that, is it necessary? Is it necessary to have a right and a wrong side? Is it necessary to judge another because they are not like you? And in my case, you know, it runs very deep because, you know, I, um, I love my country very much. You know, I spent the first 11 years of my life in the Middle East and then the next 11 years of my life in India. And, you know, as much as I can say that I'm so grateful for that exposure, I'm also very grateful for understanding what life looks like when women and men can do things that are similar to each other when I came to the West, you know, and uh, I'm grateful I got to see that. I'm grateful that I was able to understand how women can be in a room full of men and still feel that nothing can happen to them. You know, I recognized for the first time that I can travel alone when I was in the US. You know, I didn't even know that I could uh, go on a hike alone. You know, I, I was raised to believe that I should never go or uh, leave the home without a man by my side. Wow. You know, and then those kind of beliefs, when you come to another side of the world and you realize and you recognize and you look at, around you and you think, wait, you know, this is so different. Who, who's right and who's wrong? You know, and this consistent again and again and again, and the recognition that there is no right and wrong, Shireen. There is no good and bad. There is only what is. Just because I am a certain way here doesn't mean I become a crazy person when I go back home. And it doesn't mean that when I go back home, I completely change and I come back here. Who am I? What, what is Shireen? What does Shireen want? Who is Shireen inside? Right? And that really has been my journey over 
whatever, 20, 25 years at this point, you know, that consistent wondering, what would I do in this point? It is not about everybody else. Who am I? You know? Yeah, it's, this is what you were talking about in that podcast that I was listening to earlier. And I wanted to address it because so much of who we are, sorry, there is a very loud car outside. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, <laughs> no, I can't hear it. Uh, so much of who we are, are, or who we think we are, are the identities that we have attached to ourselves throughout our lives. I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm an engineer, I'm a Muslim, I'm a whatever. And when it comes down to it, like that is what we have learned throughout our lives. It's not who we are in our hearts, in our souls. And one of my mentors asks us like, if you stripped all of that away, who would you be? And at first before, like at the beginning I was doing this work, I was like, I honestly have no clue. Um, <laughs> as I gain more and more understanding, it just all comes back to love. That, that, that's really all that I am. And I think all that we all are, it's just been buried by all of these things that we label ourselves as, as we go through life and learning how to strip away those identities and ask yourself truly, who am I? without all of that stuff, because that's not what we were born with. We weren't born with any of that. Um, and it's really interesting how going to so many different cultures was what helped you kind of recognize that. Cause that's just something that so many people never experience that they would never even realize that they're kind of doing that, you know? So, you know, I also want to add a very important point here. You know, I uh, actually used to always say, that um, you can find this no matter what you do, even if uh, you don't travel, even if you're stuck in the same parish. Like, you know, the first state I came to was Louisiana when I came to the US. And every time I say this, everyone says, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I always say, I'm so happy that it was Louisiana because I met people in Louisiana that never left their parish. You know, they literally stayed within those number of miles for their entire life. And they were some of the nicest people I'd ever met. Mm -hmm. And I've met people who have traveled all over the world and who have known multiple languages and they don't understand what love means and total wow. acceptance means. So mm -hmm. I used to always say in all of my workshops, I used to do, you know, I don't care how many countries you've traveled to. People mm -hmm. would always say, oh, Shireen, you've lived in 10 different countries. You've traveled to so many and you know seven different languages. You're so cultured, <laughs> you know? And I would say, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? If you don't have love in your heart, I don't care about what you do. If I don't feel the love in your heart, it doesn't, none of it matters, you know? And so I say that because I want you to know that today, the who am I feeling actually is not conscious. When I, when I went through these things, yes, I was asking myself a lot, but today in, when I meditate, and that has become such a big practice of my life right now. I meditate a lot in a day. And um, the feeling of who am I doesn't come as who am I anymore. Mm. It actually comes as I am. Mm. That's how it comes now in my meditations. It's whenever something, it's almost a barrage. And I've noticed that um, this is really how, you know, my experience with meditation has been when I first started I didn't realize I was doing active meditation most of my life because I was, like Derek mentioned, I had played 
tennis for about eight to 12 years of my life. You know, I actually can't even remember it anymore because it feels like it was a totally different life. And, uh, you know, I played about eight hours in a day. And at the time I didn't recognize it, but that was in a way a kind of active meditation. And so at the time I used to do things which only much later in my life I understood. Like I used to be so tired because I would play all like about three or four uh, hours in the morning. And then I would go to school for like two hours and I would doze out. I, I would doze off and my teacher would catch me. And then she would say, Shireen, you were sleeping. And I would be like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't sleeping. And then she was like, well, tell me what I said. <laughs> and I would tell her. I would actually tell her what she said. And she would be confused. <laughs> Everybody else would look at me and I'm like fully confident. You know? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that's exactly what you were talking about. You know? And I never understood it. I never understood how I was able to remember what she was saying, even though I was half asleep or I knew my eyes were closed and I was asleep, but I was just telling her I was resting my eyes, right? Mm -hmm. As a child, well, I lied, but as a child, I knew how to get into states that I am actually having to work towards getting to today, mm -hmm. right? Like, it, it, when I started going down this path of meditation and going deeper and deeper and going into the delta and the, all of the different levels, I realized, holy crap, I did this as a child and I didn't even know I was doing it. It just happened, right? And that was when it, it hit me, stop working. Stop mm -hmm. working. You're not working anymore. Become a child again. Do the things that you did as a child. Just go and have fun play, just, just do whatever you want to do. But there's only one thing, Shireen, I ask from you, and that is to be completely aware of whatever it is that you're doing. Don't think of anything else that you're doing while you're doing it, right? So I literally just said to myself, be a child again. If you're going to read a book, I just want you to read the book. If you're going to be outside, I just want you to be outside. I don't want you to think about anything else. If you're working, just work 100%, right? And yeah, in a way, that is what we are calling meditation today. Active meditation, right? If you're washing your hands, just be completely involved in that. Fine. It started off with that. Then it went into the Wim Hof method, right? Because yes, my breath journey was a long time. It, it was about two or three years of breath that I've been doing. If you think about it, I've been doing breath all my life, right? Haven't we all? <laughs> and in a way, because of my athletic background, I started recognizing that when I did my athletics, I was actually breathing in a certain way, which was affecting different parts of my body. I was doing it unconsciously. And after a certain point, I was doing it consciously. That was about the only difference when I talk about my breath journey. And then you see, okay, you start going deeper and deeper. And then there is a phase in the Wim Hof method that experience that you experience complete stillness. That for me was the first time that I experienced the power of stillness. Right? Because everybody talks about meditation. And for me, I always said, man, I can't sit still. There's no way I can sit still. You give me any task. I will go and I'll do it and I'll keep moving or whatever. Yeah, I can be meditating while I'm doing it, active meditation, whatever. But you ask me to be still? No, I am not a still person. Right? And when I experienced the power of meditating in stillness, that was the first time I realized, wow. There is so much that you can tap in, in complete 100% stillness when you don't even have your breath, that you are completely still. And, you know, because I'm an engineer and I know you're an engineer too, you know, getting a little 
geeky. That was the first time I was able to tap into what we call the energy of the quarks, right? Or quarks, I think they, Q-U-A-R-K-S, the subatomic particle that scientists have found that say that if you are able to tap into the energy of these subatomic particles, we have the energy of the sun here on earth, right? And so then I was, I went totally geek, I totally geeked out into it, went into energy, went into gravitational force, nuclear force, tried to understand all of these forces that we have. And then I realized that the subatomic particles or the, or the energy that exists within an atom is by far the strongest, but it also has the least amount of range. And when you are 100% still, that is the first time you can taste that kind of energy, right? So wow. when I got into that, that was when it was like, wow, man, this is, I have tapped into something that I didn't read in books. I didn't learn from anywhere. But when you understand that, then you can go down the rabbit hole of looking into things and everything. And then, you're, then it's like affirmation. You know, then all the knowledge you come across, then all the things you read, it's all just affirmation, you know? Yeah. So I just thought, you know, I have realized that reading books is great, but in my life right now, I have realized that there is like a little bit of a lag. The things that I get through my meditation are almost guiding me and I am receiving what path I have to go down or what path I have to follow. And then I can do a little bit of reading and then I realize, ah, yes, this is actually a thing. There is actually something like this and this person has already found out about it and I can go deeper into that. And then the next day in my meditation, something else comes up. So today what I'm exploring, which is completely outside the scope of anything that I ever would think I would ever get into is the rising of the feminine, which a lot of people are talking about right now. I'm sure you've heard about it too. I felt it. Okay. So when it happened, I... I was like, okay, this is really interesting. I am feeling feelings I have never felt before. And the reason is because I grew up in a very um, uh, male-dominated environment. Now, am I saying that males are masculine energy and females are feminine energy? Absolutely not. Every human being has a masculine and a feminine. All I'm saying is that my masculine energy was a little higher than the average woman because of everything that I did. I grew up in a male-dominated society. I chose a sport, which at the time, there were not many women that were playing it. I always thought competing against men made me better. So whenever I played against men, I would go and compete against women. I would always beat them. So it mm -hmm. seemed like the normal thing to do. I trained with men. I ran with men. I did everything with men. I had an older brother who was five years older than me. I played with him. And so as a result, I became a part of his play group. It was not uh, no surprise that I started dressing up like a boy. And of course, everybody started calling me a tomboy. So that was my childhood growing up. And so was it a surprise that I picked up aerospace engineering or, you know, thought of being, I, I wanted to become an engineer. And then finally was the only girl in my class again. And again, and again, it was always, I was the only girl, the only girl, the only girl, right? And I got into the oil fields where I got into drilling and, you know, you go onto a platform offshore, guess what? I was the desert roads, right? The only girl on the platform or on the, on the drilling rig most of the time. So it's not that that was what I wanted. Yes, the choices I made in my life 
had me around men most of the time and I didn't have a lot of female influence in my life. But it was very clear when I was meditating one day, it came very clearly to me, Shireen, it's time to spend more time with women. That's it. And I was like, I didn't think I was not. <laughs> you know, I didn't think that I thought I had a lot of girls in my life. I thought I had a lot of female influence in my life. Um, but I, when I really started going into it, I realized, wow, I actually don't have a lot of feminine energy around me. Um, and so I started exploring that. And the deeper I went into that, I started realizing that, you know, around the same time I got married. So my uh, marriage with my husband as well is a very interesting story. You know, I um, met him actually in a workshop. He came to my, um, he came, you know, Derek, I'm sorry. I haven't taken any pauses. I'm hoping I'm hitting a lot of the questions that you have. You're good. <laughs> Keep on going. Canadian is better. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, um, he came to one of my workshops in July and, you know, I just looked at him as any other person who came to a workshop, nothing. There were no sparks flying or thunder or lightning striking or anything like that. He was just another person who came to a workshop and he kept coming for my classes. And that was in July of last year. And then I saw him at an ecstatic dance event, which is something that has been a big part of my life for many years was ecstatic dance. And I love it very, very much. And, uh, I saw him at exact dance, you know, and I was like, huh, okay, this is pretty cool, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, the day I saw him, that was September 29th, October 6th, he asked me out. And December 13th, we got married, you know, it was really wow. that quick. And um, honestly, uh, I joke about it a lot, you know, but it's true. I married him because uh, it came up in a meditation to marry him. And I followed um, the meditation because I believed at that point I was so into it that everything that was coming up in my meditation, I just blindly followed it with full faith. And um, the best decision I ever made, I of course fell in love with him after I got married, which is probably unheard of, but I truly did. Um, and it's funny because I say my husband is as white as it gets, you know, he never left, he's never lived in any other state outside from Texas. He never left the United States of America. I never, he, he's never um, had a passport. He's he got a passport after we got married and um, he, uh, he really is um, a man that I never in a million years thought I would ever marry. Conditioning would never have allowed me to marry him, you know, and I'm so grateful that when I married him, uh, I remembered feeling that I loved his heart. That's it. That was the only thing that struck me about him was his heart is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I didn't care about what he did. I didn't care about where he came from. I didn't care about how many countries he traveled to. I didn't care how many languages he knew. I didn't care about how many degrees he had. I didn't care about any of it, you know? And I'm grateful because um, in five, five years ago, there's no way I would have married him. And I'm grateful that I was able to get to a place that I listened to my meditation, married him, and he showed me through marriage how um, when you are married, you can only be a perfect wife when you are married. <laughs> and that too was a lesson nobody taught me. You know, I, uh, in, in the first month of my marriage, he uh, behaved in a way that I thought was absolutely unacceptable. 
And I remember thinking, he betrayed me. I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. But I had, been, I had grown up with such a staunch belief in making marriage work. I'm Indian and I cannot divorce and I will not allow this. And all of these things came in. And I remember thinking, no divorce, no divorce. I have to make this work. I have to make this work, you know. Month two happened, more depression. Month three happened, even more depression. Month four happened. I just thought, I'm not cut for this. I'm not made for this. I just want to get out of this, you know. Yeah. And it was in month four that I really resorted to prayer and meditation and breath and ice baths. I was taking more ice baths than I ever had. I was breathing over eight times a day. I meditated more than three or four hours a day. I remember I was getting up every day at four in the morning to meditate for an hour and a half or two hours. And that was when it hit me that God showed me that my relationship with him was not as strong as I thought it was. Because once I started going to that level, then God truly showed me how to be a good wife, that it had nothing to do with my husband, that my husband can be whoever he wants to be. My husband can behave however he wants to behave. The truth is what I hold in my heart is all that matters. The fact that no matter what he does, no matter how he behaves, that I can love him no matter what. And God showed me that, right? And when I started realizing that it was a month more of realizing and recognizing that I had full, and, and I remember May 5th was when he walked out of the house and he told me he didn't want to be with me. He wished he had never married me. And I remember thinking, God, please, let, please show me how to love him even in this mode, even in this moment. I still want to love him. And on May 26th, I remember the date so clearly, you know, because it's so fresh. On May 26th, I received guidance that if your husband is miserable with you, let him go. Let him go. You are married to him and that's all that matters. You know that he is your husband and you love him no matter what. If he doesn't want to be with you, he doesn't have to be with you. You know. And so I told him, I said, okay, you just give me the divorce papers and I will sign. It was May 26th. May 28th, he took all of his stuff. He left the house. And then all I can say is he is my husband still. And he came home and he's still with me. And he is one of the most amazing men that I never dreamt uh, in my life that I could have in my life, you know. And I didn't ask God for anything in return. I just asked God, please God, no matter what, I just want to love him as he is. I want to accept him as he is. And I'm so grateful that I got a shot at marriage a second time. Because I really feel like now everything that I'm sharing with him is a big bonus. You know, I, um, I thought I didn't have a marriage. On May 26th, when I told him I will sign the divorce papers, that was my way of saying to him, I want you to be happy, Brian. Whatever it takes for you to be happy is all I care about. Whether that happiness is with me or with another woman, it doesn't matter. All that matters to me is you are happy. And whatever it takes, I am ready to do that. And I'm grateful that I got to that place because those five months of struggle was so much my ego. You know, am I not hot enough? Does he not love me? Is my body not good enough? You know, why, does he want to see, why doesn't he want to see me? 
Why doesn't he want to talk to me? Why, why, what have I not done? How is it that I'm not able to make my husband happy in the first month of marriage? You know, all of the ego that came up and then the ego of no, I have to make this work. I have done everything in my life. You know, even this I am going to conquer. I cannot fail. I cannot fail. And then the recognition through my meditation that Shireen, no, you are not a failure. You are walking. You are still walking. Maybe you're not running. Maybe you're not sprinting, but you are still walking. So I kept walking through COVID. I still kept doing my classes. As long as he wanted to be next to me, I was grateful. But the day he left, he stopped being next to me. He stopped being a part of all my classes and I was able to let it go. And I said to myself, the one thing that I did, which I have never done in the past, was I kept walking my path. And my path was to teach breath and it was to teach meditation because I was using breath and meditation and I would not stop doing that. That is not going to be something that I put to the side because my love life was in shambles. You know, as far as I'm concerned, God is king. God is queen. God tells me what to do. And God told me, keep teaching, Shireen. You have to keep teaching. So I did. I remember the day he walked out of the home, I was crying. And my mother said to me, I had an interview just like this, you know, that evening. And my mom said, please cancel it. You know, your face is puffy. You cannot go on, on screen like this. You cannot do an interview like this. And I said, no, God will take care of it. I will do the interview. And that was something I never did before. When some one part of my life was in shambles, everything else kind of came to a standstill. I could not keep moving. And I said, God will take. And I remember that interview went amazing. It was on point. And I talked about everything I needed to talk about. I actually looked pretty too. It was amazing. <laughs> the lady who was, who was interviewing me was like, you are really glowing, Sharita. And I was also like, yeah, I really am. You know? <laughs> so I really believed that day. And it was such a big deal for me because when he walked out that day, I looked up and I said, you take care of everything. I am going to keep walking. And when I appeared that day, the way I did and the way I looked and the way I gave that interview, I knew I don't have to worry about anything. There is somebody taking care of everything. There is something larger than me that is telling me what to do. I am only walking the path that is set out for me. That's it, you know. Wow. <laughs> I am very emotional right now because... Not only you touched on so many things that I want to talk about, but so much of what you said about your childhood, literally, I was the same. I was super good at math and science. I always hung out with boys, no girls. I wrestled in high school, very male-dominated sport. I did the same thing, practicing with the boys so that I could beat up the girls, like all of that, so similar. <laughs> and I dressed like a boy, and I only recently have been learning about feminine power, feminine energy, masculine energy, and realizing how much I've kind of been like triple threat in the masculine side and super rigid with my schedule and not ever going with the flow. And I've been practicing that so much in just the past few weeks. And um, I went through a breakup literally a month ago. So similar, such a similar story. It's blowing my mind. And of course, in the beginning, I, I have been working on deciphering what's the story I'm making up and what is actually happening. 
And through the past month, I've been able to release that story of what you were saying, like, oh, it's me, like, I'm not hot enough, I'm not whatever it is. It's so easy to just be stuck in that fear mindset, which is that mindset that we've learned throughout our lives. And throughout the past month, I've just continuously brought myself back through meditation, through walking on the beach, just consistently working towards coming from that place of love, infinite love. There's no shortage of like love if you find that place within yourself and find that place in nature. There's abundance everywhere. The, the fear that we feel through heartbreak, whatever it is, it's all from like a lack mindset, right? Like something's missing, something's wrong. And in this moment, literally nothing is wrong and, and learning how to come from that place of love, forgiveness, acceptance, surrendering to what's happening because it really is all for our greatest good. And when you're able to do that and just send so much love out to the people that may hurt you or, or whatever's going on, the craziness that's going on in this world right now, like that, that has been so, so powerful and, and realizing that, you know, by holding on to something that's no longer there or, or, somebody's wanting something else and what you're wanting right now, it was a lot of like the, my humanness that was wanting that immediate gratification of like having that person right now where that's, you know, we have our whole lives. Like there's so much that can happen and, and there's no, there's literally nothing wrong in this moment. That's something that I've been continuously telling myself and not until like two days ago after over like a month of kind of being back and forth, like, you know, you go in circles, but the, the meditation and the divine guidance that we hear, which is that God within us and all of the things that you're hearing in your meditation and the things that I hear in my meditation, it just always brings me back to that place of love and, and acceptance and surrender and just peace. Like we, we're so focused on like the future, what's going to happen or the past, what did happen. And it's like, that's not happening right now. Like if we just focus <laughs> on what's happening right now, nothing is wrong. Everything is exactly as it's supposed to be. And that's so beautiful to actually feel that inside of you because so, so much of my life and so many people's lives were like not in the present moment. Yeah. You know, I, um, this line has been coming up a lot. Um, you know, I, I want let me let me phrase it exactly the way I've heard it. I would like to move away from the relationships in my life that are not serving me. Mm. I have been hearing this line a lot. I would like to move away from the relationships in life that are not serving me. And my response to that is, uh, there is no one in this world that is here to serve you. Everyone in this world is here to serve God and all people around here, you are actually angels that you don't recognize. So whoever you believe has come into your life because you believe you need to move away because they're not serving you. Actually, it's a gift you haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. There is something that this person is making you aware of that you are not aware of yet. And yes. so I actually say, Wow, 
those are actually the relationships you should be taking more, <laughs> looking more into, you know, because reality is, um, I know today when I look back, always hindsight 2020, you know, I know for a fact that the reason I was able to do as much as I did was because I married Brian. There's no way in a million years I would put this kind of effort towards a guy who was my boyfriend. I have never have and a guy I was dating, a guy I was seeing. Oh my God, are you kidding me? If you didn't do something and that was something that we knew that we were on the same page on, the door is right there. Mm. You can leave whenever that, please. Uh, please shut the, shut the door behind you kind of, uh, kind of a situation. The only reason I was able to dig as deep as I did was because I was married. And that was when it hit me that I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful I listened to the meditation because had I not married him, I don't know how many more years it would have been before I learned this lesson, before this lesson of total acceptance. It is so easy to accept friends who you see once every week. It is so easy to accept things about people that you see every other day. When you start living with someone and you're in this space with this person every single minute of every single day, that's when true acceptance starts, you know? And I honestly, I'm just gonna be very honest. I've never, I'd never really had that. I'd never really shared space with anybody before that. And that was really when it hit me that I'd never been taught how to be a woman in today's world. I'd never been taught. I had learned all of my leadership qualities from men. I had learned how to progress in this world through men. All of the people I looked up to were men. Two of my favorite coaches, one is uh, Derek knows one, Shane Hines, and then the other one's Wim Hof. They're both men. I started realizing that I have always looked to men. Even in between my mom and my dad, I always looked to my dad to, for advice on work, for advice on anything. And that was when it hit me. No one taught me how to be a woman. No one taught me what it means to be a woman, a strong woman with a man, right? Because women today, with all due respect, and I'm speaking about this from complete personal experience, that I don't believe I have had a lot of strong women examples in my life that I would like to be like. I just have not, right? I've had many strong men examples, that I would like to be like, right? Which kind of goes to show where you're like, wow. And I remember the first time I felt it was when I saw a lady who was the vice president of my engineering institute. And I remember the first thought that came to me was, oh, women can be vice presidents? I didn't know. And that was, I had just moved from India to the US at that point. And it was the first time that I realized, wow, look at her. She's so graceful. She's so strong. She has a vice president. She's a vice president, a vice president that a lot of people look up to. She's got two children. She's happily married. And I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is so cool. Like I've never met a woman like that, right? And I hate to say this, but the number of women I've met like that have been a handful, a handful, right? And I am sure there are a lot of books about this. I'm sure there's a lot of things about this. But I now know my place in my relationship. I love my husband very much. And I know what role he plays between my 
myself and him. He is the man and I am the woman. There is no doubt in my mind. If he doesn't behave like a man, I don't step in and behave like the man for him. I allow him the space to take the time to recognize what being a man means for him. I am not going to do that for him because life has taught me what it is to be a man. I have very easily gotten into that space of knowing how to earn, knowing how to fend for myself, knowing how to take care of myself, knowing that no, I don't need a man in my life. And that's true. I don't. I'm doing everything in my life to be very happy independently. But at the same time, I'm also very happy when I'm with a man who treats me like a woman and I know how to be like a woman with him. And I am being honest, it wasn't until a month ago that I truly understood what being a woman truly means. And it's been amazing, amazing. Honestly, like I'm seeing a side to him that I never even knew existed. He is able to appear to me in a way that I think even he didn't know existed within him, you know, and I gave him the space to be able to be that person, regardless of whether it's for me or not, is not the point. He's doing that because he loves being that person, right? Now I am the recipient of that and I'm grateful for it. I'm very lucky, you know, but at the same time, it only started when I went totally within and I had to find the woman within me. And I'm grateful that my meditation practice, my breath work, my ice baths, my cold showers, all of the things, all of the tools that I used was able to gain that wisdom from within me. The way I started behaving, the way I started acting, the way I started being around him completely changed, right? So. So to tell, I have a question for a follow-up question regarding all that. So on the podcast, Taiha and I listened to earlier, just to prep for this interview, your interview with Zarin on the Expand podcast. You talked about um, your abyss moment. Like we're all all heroes on a continual hero journey and there's different um, challenges that we overcome. But one of your biggest um, abyss death rebirth was when you got your heart shattered in a relationship where you said you thought that man was the one. And then shortly thereafter, um, you injured your body. So when you tore your ACL, which was a huge blow for you as well. So what what was different this time with your marriage? with Brian than that relationship and your death and abyss that you had in the past? Um, what, um, what? Great question. Great question. Uh, number one, that man was uh, not someone I could marry. That was the first thing. That was the first difference. He was a man who told me he was separated from his wife and he was getting a divorce and he did not. He actually ended up being in a relationship with me and didn't tell his wife that he was in a relationship with another girl. And he didn't tell me that he still had a relationship with his wife. And so here I am completely in love with a man who was married to another woman. Um, And so that uh, was that relationship. So I fell in love with the wrong man. That man was not available. He never was. And I had to go through a complete recognition of awareness of why I was okay, because I knew I knew at the time, he told me he was going through the divorce. So I should have said, well, when you get the divorce, let me know and we can take off. But no, I was in, I was perfectly fine with the fact that he was going through the divorce. He knew he wanted a divorce. That was all that mattered to me. 
right? And um, I learned that was a very important lesson I learned is let a man prove himself to you. Don't just take his words for granted. Allow him to show you that he truly means what he says. That was lesson number one, right? So that was a lesson, that, a very costly lesson I learned. And so that coupled with my, I don't know, maybe I answered your question already. That in itself was, <laughs> what is the big difference between that relationship and Brian? Yeah, he was never, he was never even with me to begin with. And the injury, how did that affect you? So that was, um, that was a blessing, right? Because when I, got, when I got injured till that point, the only way I was able to release emotionally was through physical activity, was through, um, you know, basically being, um, playing tennis, running, lifting weights, whatever I did was through my body. That was the only way I could release my, uh, my angst. Um, and when I tore my ACL, it wasn't just my ACL. I had four completely unrelated injuries. Uh, one back to back. I was out an entire year because the first six months I was doing my therapy. I was doing everything. I did everything I could to come back to um, a place where I was able to use my knee again. And then I had a totally unrelated injury on the other leg and then another one and then another one. And after the fourth one, I felt I was getting a slap and basically saying, shut up and sit down, stop, stop using your body. And when I stopped, that was when I fell into depression. I fell into pretty severe depression. I uh, felt, I mean, of course, right, between my heart being shattered, you know, and, and I cannot explain to you, Derek, maybe it's I can understand. You know, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I have, I think I'm reasonably good looking. You know, I have an engineering degree. I, I come from a very good family. You know, I don't have any, I wasn't sexually molested when I was growing up. I didn't have any bad habits. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. I didn't have sex with every other guy. I thought I lived life as a woman should. And I asked myself, how? How could I have fallen in love with a man who was having an affair? Not an affair. Technically, I was the mistress, right? And it was, I, I just, I um, completely lost respect for myself. Completely. I had no self-esteem. It went completely down the drain. And I remember thinking, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. I have done, I've committed such a big mistake in my life. And I cannot believe I went down this path, right? So I really had to reach the depths, or so I thought back then, because since then there have been many more depths that mm -hmm. I have reached. Mm -hmm. <laughs> back then in my life, that was a whole different level of depth that I reached and I, uh, I was completely broken, completely broken in my heart, completely broken in my body. I didn't have anything to reach to and that was when I picked up the scriptures for the first time. That was back in 2017. I picked up the Gita, I picked up the Bible, I picked up the Quran, I picked up, the, I picked up Buddhism. And I would say that that was the first time I did a, a like now I say I perused, right? I just went through. Back then I thought I read. And today I'm at a different level. You know, I'm really studying it. I'm really, really looking at it line by line. Um, 
you know, like, of course, uh, when I got into Sufism, I uh, didn't really get an Ustad. Ustad is a teacher, you know, a, a Muslim teacher. Um, I couldn't find one. I found one. He was in India. He was supposed to come to New York. I was going to meet him July 4th weekend for the first time. But then COVID happened. And so everything got canceled. And then I thought, why wait? You know, I have Christianity around me. Why not indulge um, into Christianity first, understand what is written in the scriptures. And whenever the time's ready, I know my Ustad will come into my life, you know. So now I'm really exploring the Bible, going line by line. Everything's there. All the things that we needed, the manual is sitting there, you know. And I mean, again, I'm not, um, I don't like to say I'm a religious human being. I like to explore God through religion, right? Because, uh, I mean, I, I'm exploring the Bible now. And then one of my friends introduced Baha'ism to me. That has really intrigued me. I'm hoping to start indulging more in, uh, in Baha'ism as well. And then, of course, I know when the time is right, my Sufi master will come into my life too. Everything will happen in due time. I think it's so beautiful that you are exploring everything because as we talked about in the beginning, there's been so much about this is right, that's wrong, and, and every, you can learn so much from everything. And so that's really cool. I also really relate to you know, you got to hit rock bottom, real, real <laughs> rock bottom to wake up, you know, like I, I dealt with eating disorders after wrestling for a long time, just super negative self-talk and, and it just became my normal and, and it led to over-exercising where that was my only, those are my only outlets to like, not even like emotionally release, but like control my life. And it led to me having a back to back injuries in the same area, um, which leads me to believe that it's like emotionally rooted, but you can't do anything without your back. And so it's really forced me to totally slow down and focus on those other parts of me that I was neglecting because I was so focused on my physical body. And that is just one part of us. We are such divine essence in a monkey body and like I was only focusing on the monkey body and um this time like this back injury which has been some of the most mentally physically debilitating experience I've gone through um has been the biggest blessing because I never ever would have dived inward without my physical body being unable to function as it normally was before and it's it's really hard and as I go through more of these depths I yeah. start to realize that when I'm in there really focusing on practicing gratitude for being there because we always have hindsight right but if we learn how to be grateful during it Think about how much quicker, how much more powerful you will get through that depth if you are able to practice the gratitude that you normally would wait to feel after it's done. Because you know through every hardship that you deal with and get through, you're grateful for it on the other side because of everything you learned. So that's really what I'm, I'm working towards with, because there's going to always be depths. Like life is a cycle, life ebbs and flows and, and learning how to be grateful for the good times, but also for the bad times, because 
the growth you experience there is just unlike anything else. You have to go through that suffering to really see who you really are and see your strength that you are able to get through that. Yeah. And like the word that you used, you know, suffering. Mm. And, um, you know, I really feel like my perspective has changed. You know, I um, honestly get excited now. You know, now when I feel pain, of course, when you go through the pain, it's, you know, like I, I'm telling you, you know, I just got out of one situation and, you know, you really feel like you've hit rock bottom and then rock bottom keeps getting deeper. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have to admit that this is what we are doing. This is what we are doing with breath and meditation. And all we're doing is we are, it is not the problems that we believe will cause us pain are the ones that actually cause us pain. It is the complete unknown. It is that phone call on that Tuesday afternoon at 3 p.m. that completely shatters your world. Mm -hmm. And the recognition that I've got a meeting in half an hour with my CEO and I've got this. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to take my breath. I'm going to do, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to be in that peace and calm. And when I'm done with my meeting with my CEO, I can come back and wail and cry and release and do whatever it is that I need to do. Because ultimately, it all comes down to the relationship between the heart and the brain. That's it. The more we are able to access the brain, the more we're able to access the emotional part of the brain, the more we're able to recognize that as long as we are leading our lives from a place of emotion, happiness is an emotion. It is not a thought. As engineers, you know, we have always used our logical part of our brain, our prefrontal cortex. Always, that is the part that always gets in. If you hear something, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense. That makes logical sense, this doesn't make logical sense. It's immediate. That's pretty much what we have been doing all of our lives, is to not, don't fall for your feelings. Your feelings are deceiving. Go based on what you know. And the truth is, the true superhuman is the one who can tap into both. When you tap into both, that's when you truly are able to tap into logic through intuition. Because when your intuitive center is activated, when your emotional brain is activated, you then know what it is that you're looking for. You know what is right for you. You know what is wrong for you. And you're able to signal to the prefrontal cortex and say, hey, this is what I want in my life. Can you please figure out how to get there quick? And your prefrontal cortex, being the smartest part of the brain, says, I got this. I know the shortest possible way for you to get to your destination. Today, I believe this is what humans call manifestation, right? I didn't understand what manifestation meant, by the way. When I first heard this term, people would keep saying, oh, Sharon, you manifested this, you manifested that. And I'm thinking, I haven't manifested anything. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't ask for anything. I'm just trying to survive each day. Like, I don't even know what tomorrow's going to look like. I don't, let alone today, you know? And so it's one of those things where I'm like, I kept hearing this again and again and again. And then it hit me that I do believe I am a human being that has a highly activated right-hand side of my brain and the left-hand side of my brain. I also have the ability to access my emotional brain through my reptilian brain, which is what we are accessing when we 
are doing the breathing exercises because by doing the breathing exercises, you're able to signal to the heart to beat in a certain way and your breathing rate and your respiratory rate and your heart rate are all basically going straight into your reptilian brain. Your reptilian brain is the one that does the magic, right? And then you have the emotional brain that goes around it. You're able to access the emotional brain. You're able to release trauma, whatever it is that you've held on to. And trauma isn't only things that you have faced as a three-year-old child or a 10-year-old child or a 15-year-old child. Trauma is stuff that happened today. Trauma is stuff that happened to you one week ago. Trauma is when your best friend left you for, an, for your, for your, for when your best friend started dating your ex-boyfriend. That's trauma too. Mm -hmm. Right? All of those situations are trauma. Whenever people talk about trauma, they're always talking about things that happened way in the past. Right? What about the event that happened two days ago? What happened to you when, when your husband left the house? How did you feel back then? Wasn't that traumatic? Of course it was. It was really traumatic. What did you do? I just kept it in and I was angry and I was mad. No, in my case, I breathed about eight times that day and I was able to let it go. Right? So that is really what we are doing. All of the things that we have in our world today is just, they're just tools. Tools to get to a happy state of mind. Isn't that what we all want? To be happy in life, to be happy. And yes, to have good health. Because when you lose your health, you don't have anything. And when you have your health and then you have your happiness, then you have the strength to go into the unknown. Because that truly is what is keeping us back from our dreams. The fear of the unknown. When you are happy and you are healthy, the fear of the unknown just goes away. And at that point, you are strong too. So that's it. If you're happy, healthy, and strong, what more can you ask for in life? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. So um, <laughs> you, we've talked about a few major traumas that you've been through. And I just think from hearing what you said, is if you if we go back, if the current Shireen gives advice to the Shireen, even just from a month ago with the marriage issues with Brian, you'd tell her to use the tools because this Shireen has all the tools. But the original Shireen, where you got your heart shattered and then your body tore, um, you tore your ACL, that Shireen didn't have the tools that you do now. What advice would you give her or someone without the tools, someone that has not even seen the path? Yeah. So actually, that is not what advice I would give the one month ago. Okay. Um, I truly believe that you are going through exactly what you need to go through. Because the reality is, when your heart is broken, that is when probably you will look for a tool if you don't already have tools in your toolbox. And so your life will open up in a way that whatever is happening to you right now is going to guide you in that path. So my advice, it doesn't matter if it is one month ago, 10 years ago, or 25 years ago, have faith. You are on your path. You are doing exactly what you need to be doing. You are exactly where you are. And I, I want you to know that when I married Brian in the first month, I actually have been married before. I married another man who uh, was in another country. And I didn't want to marry him before I married him. There were a lot of problems. But at that point in time, my parents got involved. My society got involved. My friends got involved and kept telling me that I was the problem, that there was something wrong with me. And I ended up marrying him. We actually never lived together. We spent a year 
where he was in a different country and I was here. And somewhere along that year, I realized this is not the marriage for me. I don't want this in my life. And we ended up annulling it. So it was not a divorce. It was an annulment because we never actually lived together as husband and wife. In my first month of marriage, all of the reasons why I decided not to be with that man came up in the first month of my marriage with Brian. And that was when it hit me. This is going to keep happening till I sit down and I face it head on, not trying to fix the situation, but to completely surrender myself to the situation. Things are going to keep happening. It doesn't matter if it is one, try two, try three, try four. It makes no difference till I sit down. So I remember that day. I remember when that was going on with Brian. I remember that was the first time I actually looked back at my relationship with love. That was the first time that I sat down and I thought I could have done things so differently back then. That man too was going through a lot. And at that point in time, I went through a lot, believe me. But the love that I had for myself was what intrigued me. I remember thinking to myself, Shireen, you did your best. You did what you could do back then. And look how lucky you are. Brian is such an amazing human being. You're getting a second shot with an incredible person. You are doing what you can. Everybody is doing the best they can at any moment. Yes. And when I was able to talk to myself with love, that was the first time I was able to look back at that relationship with the recognition that I truly did everything I could back then. That was back in 2014. And I ended up annulling it in 2016. I mean, how lucky am I? In a span of four years, I got a second chance. You know, many people have to wait a lifetime. I was able to get that opportunity to work on my stuff in four years. So I looked at it as a blessing. And so mm -hmm. that is my advice. You are going through exactly what you need to. You are doing the best you can. Just have faith. Everything is going to be okay. Like my favorite Brazilian saying, everything is okay in the end. If it is not okay, it is not the end. Yes. And I love what you said about, you know, your heart breaks so that you can make these discoveries. Like everything is seriously happening, not to us, but for us and in perfect timing. Life is all about the contractions and expansions, right? You have to usually contract to be able to expand more. And you got to just accept that there's going to be those depths that you experience throughout your life. And once you surrender to them and, and look at them with a different lens, because we've, we've been taught throughout our lives, like certain things are bad, certain things are good, like certain emotions are bad like anger sadness is bad but they're just emotions when you just accept and feel into them don't numb them don't distract yourself but like take it and learn from it that's all what we're doing is just learning from what we're experiencing and paying attention to what's going in on our bodies what's going in going on in our lives you said that you know you you notice these patterns throughout your relationships. And that's exactly what I'm going through right now too. I'm like, whoa, this relationship was like this. And then that one was like that. And it all was the same thing. <laughs> and, and if you're, you know, we blame outside, we want to be the victim. We blame the outside sources, but it all always, always, always is 
reflections of yourself. Everything that you're going through is a reflection of yourself, your relationships, your career, whatever. And, and understanding that, you know, the past is the past that already happened. There's no point in being like, Oh my God, that happened in my like six relationships ago when I didn't do anything like that's not going to get you anywhere. You were doing the best that you could with the tools that you had yes. at that moment. And so learning how to accept that, forgive yourself, forgive everybody involved and take what you have right now, the tools you are learning in this moment to allow that expansion of your consciousness to occur. And that's all we're trying to do. I think throughout this life is just continue to learn and grow and grow and unlearn a lot <laughs> um, and, and just recognize the patterns and see where, where was the root of this? Cause if you just address, you know, the, what's right in front of you, but you don't address the root of why it started happening in the first place, it's, it's going to continue happening. So not until you really, really search within yourself. And a lot of the time you don't want to do that because again, it's a like, lot of work. Yeah. And, and we're scared of, of the pain. We're scared of the pain, but we got to shift our mindset about pain because it's literally just information. That's all that it is. And, and it's beautiful when I've, I've been learning how to feel into my pain and really ask it like, why are you here? What are you trying to teach me? And, and it's something I never used to do because it was just like, oh, I'm going to distract myself and go on social media, oh, drink alcohol, you know, whatever. And that's just running myself more down the hole. So um, I thought that was just such a beautiful share. And this, <laughs> this podcast has been so amazing so far. I really enjoyed <laughs> all of this information. So um, through your study of scripture, Shireen, um, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, um, the Bible, Buddhism, you really learned about the concept of love, um, in particular, unconditional love. What is, what is that? Explain to us the concept of love, <laughs> unconditional love. You know, I love that you're asking me to explain it. Um, it's not something that can be explained. It can only be felt. And I think uh, that is what our world lacks right now mm. is uh, a lot of us want to know a lot. We want to understand a lot, but we're not taking the time to say, I want to just feel it. I just want to experience it. And all I will say is when you experience it, you become unstoppable. You become absolutely unstoppable. There is a sense of security within you that I cannot describe. There is a sense of, um, you just know everything's going to be okay. And it cannot be explained, honestly. I, I really laugh when people do explain it, okay? So I love that you asked me this question <laughs> because I really love it. Because um, my husband is, you know, like I said, he is one of the smartest people I have ever met. He is now in, you know, intrigued because he has been talking, he's been listening to me talk about bhakti, devotion, bhakti, devotion again and again and again. And he has been reading book after book after book on devotion, you know, and I looked at him. I think it was yesterday and I said, Brian, now you can only feel. 
you know everything about it you know what it looks like you know what it feels like and everything but unless you actually feel it there is no point in knowing it and i i believe as i grow older as i keep teaching this is what i am going to consistently focus on and i know wim does that wim says feeling is understanding because i know he understood that there is only so much you can know after a certain point you have to feel because i was explaining this to my brother two days ago that even in my meditations now there was a time when you know there's a lot of people now talking about a lot of things you know like i said it's amazing to me how when i am doing it and i'm experiencing it then i am getting exposed to a different uh, group of people that are talking about the things that i just experienced and mm. i'm like oh so it's almost kind of like oh god is showing me that i'm on the right path keep going keep going just keep keep going within keep going within you know so there was a time in my life where i went into this mode where i was just thinking allowed based on meditation so i would say today's workshop i am not making any plan i am going to meditate and i truly believe that if somebody is wanting something they will connect to the source and the source will download and mm. inevitably in my workshops i will say something i will do some because y'all are hearing 100th of my story right like it's like every time you ask a question a new story comes up right i mean you're thinking oh okay there's only probably two horrible relationships this woman has and then suddenly <laughs> you find out that there is this other man that she married that she annulled right so it's kind of one of these things where i'm sharing 100th of my story so every workshop that you attend of mine it's like this other story that pops up and inevitably at the end of it there will be three or four people that will walk up to me and said that was my story and i have no doubt because i know that i had to talk about a part of my story that would resonate at that particular time i never doubt it i just know that it will come and somebody will resonate with me that is why i am sharing that part of my story i have not talked about my childhood i have not talked about the issues i had growing up because that particular situation it was not what was what came out of me so that was the first phase right i'm saying that that was the first phase okay that was i would say any time i crossed over 30 minutes of meditation that's pretty much the mode i get into i feel like i'm able to get uh, an idea of what i'm supposed to go into then came the second phase where i am being told what to do right like do this get back into religion get married get this do this and i'm like okay so that was the second phase for me where i was felt like i was being told what to do and so i just obeyed right and then it came to a place where i am now oh my god when i thought that i had cleaned some shit out of my system i didn't even realize how much shit existed within me right so that was like flowing i mean it was just like well you think you're ready here take this what about <laughs> now you think you're good now take this like and it's like every day these thoughts of like i was just like what this cannot be mine this cannot be mine and then loving that too accepting that too accepting all the thoughts everything that was coming up that was the third and then the fourth is where i'm at right now which i don't know where it's going okay but where i am right now is i'm now recognizing that there is something called transmission that is taking place which means that when i am meditating 
I am getting knowledge at such a high, at such a fast pace that I'm not able to note it down anymore. I'm not able to write it down because it's not one or two thoughts. It's almost kind of like a, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay. And that day I get one thing after the other that reminds me of everything that came up in that particular day's meditation. So it's almost kind of like that entire day, everything that I'm seeing and I'm coming across is kind of like, all of, I'm just like, oh, okay, I get it. Okay, I understand this. Okay, I get it. I understand now. Okay, so this is the concept. And now I'm making a concept. And then I'm creating something that I'm able to teach in the next class, whatever that is. So to give you an example, um, the last one that I had was this whole understanding of what a woman should be in a relationship. Like I had no idea. Like it was completely like, when it started coming into me, I was just like, what? Like nobody's ever told me that a girl has to behave this way. Nobody had told me that a woman has to behave this way. Right. And I, I started piecing it all together. And then the phone call started. It was unbelievable. I had in one day, I had five people call me with relationship problems, five people in one day. And I'm like, okay, so they're talking to me and I'm telling them, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. And they were like, three days later, they call me and they're like, now I'm here. I'm like, don't worry. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. This is what you... And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, this is insane. So again, I'm enjoying the ride. Like, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue where I'm going. I have no clue where this is all going to. But does not matter? What matters is I'm happy and I'm having fun and I'm really feeling connected. And I'm just having a blast, honestly, right? I don't have any major purpose. I really don't. Like a lot of people are saying that, you know, they know their purpose. They know where they're going in their life and all of that. Like I always say, I just want to be one with God. I think this is an amazing ride, right? But it's really not a dream that I have that I want to achieve. So in that way, I would say as I'm growing older, I feel like I'm becoming more and more unambitious, actually. (laughs) And I feel like I don't want anything. I'm just having so much fun right now. I'm just like, I don't want this fun to end right now. And that's all that matters, right? (laughs) That is so beautiful. And it is no coincidence that you shared everything that you shared today. As you talked about before, right? You would like just go into it and it was like a perfect transmission between you and your students. Like, I feel like that's exactly what's happening here because of how much I related to your story and how much me and Derek are currently learning about these types of transmissions. And I would, you know, people call it channeling all of that stuff. It's just like, boom, you got downloaded like a whole textbook into your brain about this certain subject that you had never been taught before. Right. And yeah, crazy how the, like, it's obviously for a purpose, like those people that called you needed your help and you have the ability to help those people through those issues. And it all just happens like for that reason. And it's just so beautiful. There's so much going on that I personally, I've been real like learning this stuff in the past month. And I just never looked at this type of stuff because of my left brain analytical logical my whole life being very like I mean I thought I was atheist for a while and in in high school just because I I had a negative connotation of religion too because of the school I went to but um I've always felt that divine power within us that godlike power within me and 
like the connection that we all have with one another and how much we can help each other in ways we have no idea about. Sometimes it just flows out of your mouth and you're like, I don't know how I knew that, but I'm going to say it because I think it'll help you. Um, so, wow, this, this has been like just totally off script, but like the best <laughs> possible way it could be that way because it was everything that I need in this moment. So thank you. Thank you. Shireen, explain to us Christ consciousness. You mentioned that earlier. Let's dive into that. What is Christ consciousness and how has that impacted you? Um, so actually I'm learning, um, as well. Cause like I said, when I shared this with a friend of mine, she used those terms. And when she used those terms, I thought, okay, maybe if I understood what the path of Christ is or was, then maybe I'll understand my path more. And, um, everything I've read so far is unbelievable about Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> you guys probably grew up with it. I don't know, but I don't really know much about Jesus Christ. You know, I uh, didn't grow up with Jesus Christ. Jesus is a very important, uh, prophet in Islam too. And so, um, that's all I know about, uh, Jesus Christ was Isa. That's how we refer to Jesus Christ is through Isa and learning about his life, understanding what he did how he felt how he walked i always say that when jesus christ actually i'm pretty sure there may have been a lot of people who have said this because i've noticed now whenever i say that i said something somebody will say oh yeah so and so person said the same thing okay so i'm sure somebody has said this before but when jesus christ walked the earth there was no christianity if you think about it christianity came after jesus christ left right? It was an ode to Jesus Christ, really. You think about it, Jesus Christ did not preach, become a Christian. He never used those words, you know? It's, we all talked about follow Christ. And so, yeah, makes sense. I mean, Christ, Christian, kind of makes sense. It all makes sense. But if you really think about it, Jesus just loved everybody as they are, accepted everybody as they are. And he truly, truly believed that we were all People that were, and you know, the, the part that hurts the most is it was his own people, right? The, his own people that actually put him down, if you think about it, right? And uh, how many of us go through that? How many of us become famous when we leave where we came from? We were, uh, we were made to feel that we did not belong. We were made to feel like the black sheep of the family. We were told... Why are you like this? You know, I can't speak for y'all and I'm not going to enter into that part of my story, but I definitely have had my share of being different, um, not acting correctly, not behaving correctly, not doing the things that um, conservative Muslim Indians do. How many times has that, that statement been flung in my face? You know, and I believe that I will be true to myself no matter what. And so Christ consciousness is something that I don't know if I will ever be able to define or understand kind of like you asking me what unconditional love means, but I believe that when you can truly accept not just everyone else, but yourself and not only accepting yourself, but taking the time to really turn inward 
and understanding what love means to you. What is your truth? What does it mean to be Derek? What does it mean to be Taiha? What does it mean to be Shireen? And we all love each other as we are. Mm -hmm. If we can even do that, I think maybe we might be on that path, maybe. <laughs> mm. So how do you um, overcome the resistance that we encounter on this path? Author Stephen Pressfield described resistance as that negative force that keeps us from fulfilling our dreams, that keeps us from listening to that voice that is trying to give us a download. How do you overcome that resistance? Because that resistance is there for us all in some, in some, in some manner, more so, so that, than others. But it's, it's a great question, Derek. So I, uh, I believe that my um, entire lifestyle is based on discipline. So I have a lot of discipline and I think discipline is probably a very, um, not a great word to use. Uh, so I would say it's all your life is based on the habits you make or you have. And um, I think my life has all been about recognizing that, like I said, it was first with tennis and it was not understanding a lot of why I had to put in the hours but there was a direct correlation associated with the more I played, the better I performed. And so it was a very, you know, like a, as a child, it was very clear to me. If I played more, I got better. And if I wanted to get better faster, I just played more, you know. So it was a very easy concept to understand. And as I grew older, I was able to recognize that, the, you know, I, um, you know, I, I you know, my path was through athletics. So from tennis, it went into marathons and ultra marathons and Ironmans, then climbing. So my path was sports, you know, so climb, climbing mountains as well um, is, is not a, a one day affair sometimes. Sometimes you have to go up and then you have to come back down to acclimatize. You have to sleep, even though you have hiked all the way and you come back down. And these are very important lessons, I feel, that activities teach you that you don't understand it at the time, but it taught me a lot of patience. It taught me the recognition that when I want something in my life, I always, as an adult, we want things this fast. Mm -hmm. I want to see the impact of this exercise tomorrow or one week from now. Oh my God, nothing's happening in two weeks. <laughs> what? Two weeks? And I always go back to, I started playing tennis at four, at nine. I became number one in Oman at nine, five years later of loving and enjoying what I was doing every single day. I played it for two to three hours for five years. And that was when I became number one. And I always remind myself because when I, when I took jujitsu, oh my God, I was so addicted to it. That I loved it. And I was just like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was what I wanted to do all the time. And I wanted to do it twice a week. Then I wanted to do it three times a week. And I remembered that feeling. I remembered what it was like to play tennis again. I wasn't doing jujitsu to become number one in the country. I wasn't doing it to become even number one in my gym. It made no difference to me. But I noticed week after week after week, the more I practiced, suddenly men that would completely thwart me, weren't thwarting me as much. Thanks to Wim Hof and Joy Mobility, I wasn't able to get choked out as much. Everything that I was doing in my life was enhance, enhancing what I was doing 
when I was rolling on the mat. And that is life, Derek. Everything that we are doing in our life right now is enhancing us in a way. Even if we don't feel like doing something, we don't have to do it 100%. Even if we did it 20%. Even if I didn't do breath work for jiu-jitsu, I saw the impact of breath work in my jiu-jitsu. Even though I was not doing joint mobility for jiu-jitsu, I saw the impact of joint mobility in my jiu-jitsu. Even though it was not me trying to be a good wife, it was my discipline that I got from tennis. It was my breath work. It was all of this stuff that helped me become the wife that I am. Everything that we are doing in our life, as long as we are consistently aware that we may not know why we are doing what we are doing, but there is something in us that is telling us, you know, I think you should get up in the morning and meditate 30 minutes. All of us hear it. We just don't understand why. And sometimes if we just believe in the process, forget about the outcome, forget mm. about who it is that I want to be. I always say, don't tie God's hands. Don't tell God what you want to become. Allow him to show you what you are capable of. Just enjoy, just do the habits that you think will become, will help you become a better version of yourself. Eating good food, sleeping well, all these things are not things that we need to, we need for someone to tell us and prove to us 50 times for us to know it. We know it inherently. We know it. We know we shouldn't go out and drink eight hours a day or drink four hours a day. It doesn't make a difference, but we still do it. We still do it. It is because that's just our nature. And as long as we understand that the resistance, as you put it, some people call it laziness, whatever you want to call it, it is a part of us all the time. As long as we accept that and then say, I know you're lazy, Shireen. It's okay, let's just have fun. I know you don't want to do yoga, but you know what, let's just do 15 minutes of it, right? I mean, everybody will say, I know I don't want to drink, but let's just drink a, a glass of beer or, a, or a, you know, I don't drink when I use the wrong terms, right? <laughs> but, <it's> like, <laughs> but you know, it's so easy to do what's wrong. So it's so easy to do what's good. That's how I look at it. It's that simple. If anything is creating resistance, accept the resistance and say, oh, it's so easy. Just five minutes of meditation, just five minutes or, or oh, I'm going to go to sleep. I mean, it's 10.30, I have another hour. It's okay, Shireen, just do it tomorrow. I know you're not that great today, but just do it tomorrow. And I, that's what I mean when I say I am the most unambitious I've ever been in my life. There is nothing I'm trying to achieve. There's no place I'm trying to go. But luckily, I believe in breath and meditation. And today, when I was going, or today I say, but in the last five or six months of my relationship, we crossed six months, June 13th. In the last six months of my relationship, I'm grateful that I did the breath and the meditation because when it mattered, it showed me what it can do, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if I answered your question, but you know, what you are asking me is really the challenge of every human being, I think, you know, and I think well, what makes the difference is that small step, man. When I started breath or when I started meditation, it was really that awareness that there's something about this that everybody's talking about. There's something good about this. Let me just give it a shot. And I won't stop it one day. I won't stop it two days. Let me just do it for 30 days. Let me do it for 45 days. After 45 days, it's like, you know, actually, I feel like, I mean, well, in my case, my acne disappeared. Okay, so it was huge. 
Uh, I mean, I had acne when I entered into my 30s. My whole face came up with acne and I didn't know what to do. So when the acne started going down, I didn't notice it. It was my friends that noticed it. They were asking me, what was I doing? And so then I just kept continuing because I was like, wow, holy crap. I can't believe it. But then again, I mean, how, how do I know it was my breath? It could have been anything, right? But I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to question anything. <laughs> I'm just going to have faith and I'm just going to keep doing the same thing. And here we are, you know? Wow. That's beautiful. Um, we've talked a lot about your mentors um, along the way, people you learned from, some including Wim Hof, Shane Hines, Jesus, and yeah. other, other, <laughs> a lot of other people. So just talk to us about the importance of mentors in your life and helpers, and how do you yourself, Shireen, what have you learned from them that enables you yourself to be a good mentor and a helper? Wow. Um, man, Derek, you're full of good questions. <laughs> <laughs> You're full, you're full of good answers. <laughs> so, um, you know, for me, mentors have been an important part of a, a process of affirmation for me. That's really what mentors have done for me. Um, I've, I really mean it when I say that uh, there have been mentors in my life that act the when they were in my life, I didn't know they were mentoring me. Right? Like it was only many years later that I realized, oh, wow, I was sitting and listening. Um, so I want to say, first things first, when you meet someone that is talking about something that is new to you, that you don't know a lot about, it is not necessary for you to feel that you need to show them that you are following them. In fact, quite the contrary. The more questions you ask, the more you show how much you don't know, the more they will tell you how much they know. Because I have realized, and this is something I do too, actually, uh, most of the answers I give is always on the surface. It's very surface. And it is very rarely in my life that I have met someone who actually stays back in my workshop and asks me more and more. And I have noticed the way I answer has shown me that when somebody asks me a question about a subject that they may know more about, but they want to know my take on it, mm -hmm. I go to depths that I also, I probably would never have gone on the first day. And so that is my first, um, I don't think you asked me what you should do with a mentor, but <laughs> I, I really believe this is something that we should all practice more of. When you meet someone that is talking about a subject that you really, really like, don't even waste time showing them that, that person how much you know, because uh, do as much as you can to go deeper. That's the first thing. So I have been very lucky that uh, I've had these people in my life. And reality is, it could be also my culture, right? As an Indian, um, there is a huge element of respect that you have whenever you talk to somebody who's older than you. And so when you're talking to somebody older than you, you actually don't talk. You allow that person to talk because it is a given that the person is wiser. And I'm, not, I'm saying that this is not necessarily always true. Mm -hmm. FYI, right? As you have gone, <laughs> gone through life, I have realized that, wow, it's, you can meet a lot of kinds of people and it's not always the case that when you're older, you're wiser. But I'm not going to lie. Uh, wisdom with age is wisdom. 
And so even if it is not, not necessarily um, in the same realm of wisdom in other areas or knowledge or how many books you have read or how many things you've done, there is a certain wisdom that comes with age. And so I always respect that. So every older person that I meet, honestly, for me is a mentor. I always take the time to honor the journey that they have done, that they have gone through. The fact, I mean, I have one now, I'm very grateful. There is a man who lives three hours away from me. He's 67 years old and I love being around him. I love listening to him talk. Do I agree with everything he says? Absolutely not. It doesn't matter. He can say the same thing 55 times and I will still listen to it. 55 times. It makes no difference to me because at the end of the day, the reason he's saying it 55 times is because there was a very important lesson he learned for him to repeat that lesson again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So that is the first thing. I really respect my elders and I really um, give them the time of day. The second thing I will say is um, mentors for me have really played, like I said, when I met Wim Hof, I was on a path of understanding what love meant. And you know, how I met Wim and how it happened, that is another story. Okay, I'm not even going to get into it. One day when you all do my workshop, you'll probably hear it. Okay. But um, when Wim met me, he called me Sudha Prim, which at the time I was the only person who understood it because obviously he saw I was Indian and he said, you are Shuddha Prem, Sudha Prem. And that's why the name of my studio is Sudha Prem. Shuddha Prem means pure love. And when he called me that, I, I just, I cannot explain it. It was an affirmation. Here was a man I really looked up to. I thought he was amazing. Look at the things he had done in his life. I remember it is not the world records that blew my mind. It was the fact that he injected E. coli endotoxin into his body. E. coli was something that my father suffered from. So it really hit home. And not just that he injected into his body, he got 12 other random people, or I don't know how many other random people, to do it too. And I remember thinking, which man has that level of, he's so sure of himself that he said to the doctors, I don't care. I will show you that people I don't even know can do this. And he had never done that before. He was asking them to inject E. coli endotoxin. So that was the man I was meeting. I was in awe. You know, I was looking at him. And when he called me pure love, I remember thinking, yes, I am. Yes, I am. You know, and so that for me was a true recognition of the path. And I believed, you know, of course, all of my friends, all my my family, they've all been telling me, you know, sharing the way you love is so different. Nobody has loved me the way you love me. You, there's something special about you, but it's your friends, it's your family. You know, you always think that, I mean, they just want me to be happy. You know, they're just saying it because, but when Wim, somebody I didn't even know on the first day when he told me that, and this is a man who has met hundreds and thousands and at this point, millions of people, when he can look at me and say, Shireen, you are pure love. I felt I am doing okay. I'm doing fine. So mentors for me have also played that role. They have recognized something in me that I could not see for myself. Mm. And that is something I believe a true teacher, you can call it whatever, a teacher, a mentor, 
um, a guide, whatever name you want to give it, that is a person who shows you something that is within you that you may have felt, you may have heard, but that person with all of the recognition that they have received of all the people that they have met, when they also tell you that, that is a moment when you feel, yeah, I, I'm pretty special, you know? And, and I hate to say this, we are human too. We also need that sometimes. We need that, that affirmation because I want to say to you, God was always telling me that. But sometimes it helps when it comes in the form of a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, in real, in reality, a man or a woman who has attained so much. So Shane did that to me too. You know, and I remember I also looked up so much to Shane because he was the first teacher I had who spoke he taught from a place of love. And it really hit home for me because he has a story that he says how important joint mobility is. And he says, you know, don't ever, ever put joint mobility down. When I did not have, my back did not have mobility, I could not even pick up my son. The ability for me to show my son love came to me through joint mobility, right? And that, I, I will never forget that because it truly, that is, if you can teach from a place of love, that's it. That's all that matters. And that is all that I don't have to try anymore. It is who I am and it is where I always come from. When you are consistently teaching from a place of love, it doesn't matter what you are teaching. All that matters is it's not what you said that people believe. You know this thing, right? It's not what you did. It is not what you said. It is how you felt. And even if... 5% of my class felt my love, I succeeded. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Um, we have been talking for a while and this has been beautiful. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, gonna try to, I'm gonna try to wind us down and that's gonna be my next question. One thing that I'm really focusing on and Taiha as well is the importance of a good wind, sleep wind down routine because how you end your day is how you set yourself up for a great day. So maybe if you could just walk us through like, what is your wind down routine? How do you wind down your day? And then that starts with a beautiful new morning. And what are those key habits you have throughout your day? I'm really laughing because you really hit on the one topic that I'm probably the worst example of. So like I said, there's never, uh, there's always a reason for everything, right? Um, so I actually only sleep about four hours a day. I sleep wow. about four hours, yeah. And um, reality is that uh, the more I do my breath work, the lesser I feel the need to sleep. So when I, I've been sleeping four or five hours for um, a long time, and then when I hit uh, 30, I noticed that I needed six. It was very distinctive. Like I, it was a very clear cut uh, from one day to the other. Like I woke up the next day and I was like, wow, I, I don't feel like I had enough sleep. And it was like, I hadn't felt that in a long, long time, you know? So I looked at my alarm and I thought, oh, wow, okay, I only slept five hours. I guess let me try and, and increase. And so for a couple of years, I slept about six, six and a half. And uh, today I will say that I'm back to about four and a half or five. And I have no dearth of energy. Um, I allow my body to tell me how much sleep it needs. I also take naps if I need to. So, um, of course, I work. 
So, uh, you know, if I am able, I, I take cat naps if I need to. So if the body tells me you need a 15 minute break, I just immediately take a cat nap for 15 minutes and I'm back. So I will say though that uh, after I got married, my husband actually sleeps from 9.30 or 10 p.m. all the way till 6 or 6.30. So I, um, thanks to him, I actually now sleep in my bed because uh, before I would just fall asleep reading a book or I would be on my couch working on something and I would get up at three in the morning and I'm sitting in my sofa with my journal in my lap. Mm -hmm. So thanks to my husband, I actually do sleep in my bed now. When it's time to sleep, he says, time to go to sleep. And then I say, okay, I get up, I switch everything off and I go and sleep in my bed. So uh, it's probably not the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody has their own thing. But I will say when I get up, um, this part is true. I do do a couple of things. So um, as soon as I get up and again, by the way, I have no routine in my life, zero. So I don't follow a routine at all. I literally get up and I ask myself, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And the only thing that is absolutely unnecessary is um, some sort of, some sort, okay? So remember that that is the only thing that is a necessity, some sort of introspection. So that could be writing, it could be uh, breathing, it could be um, um, meditation. But it has to be some sort of introspection. And it can be from anywhere from one minute to one and a half hours. So depending on what's happening, because uh, I guess um, you all are aware, I'm actually a production engineering manager in an oil and gas firm as well. So my day really starts from about 6 a.m. in the morning to about 6 in the evening. And after that, I do my classes as well. So I come back and I teach breath work. So I'm very, very gentle on myself. I don't ever keep very, very, you have to do this because I think I'm doing a lot. And so I'm just like, you know, Shane, you're doing a lot. That's amazing. You know, uh, why don't we do like five minutes of meditation? And then I'm like, sit down and I'm like, you know what? I actually feel like doing 30. So then I'm like, wow, you're so cool. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I only asked you to do five and you want to do 30. You're my heroine, you know? So like, I'm actually able to make, make myself feel great about myself. Uh, because I keep my expectation from myself extremely low. I don't expect much from myself at all. Uh, I always tell myself that you are doing so much and you are just appearing. You know, you are leading a team of nine people. You have a job, you come home, you teach. And then in, the, in your weekends, you're doing workshops. Oh my God, even if you did one minute, I'd be happy for you. And so because my expectations for myself is so low, I uh, end up doing much more than I actually want to. So that's about the only thing that is really, um, uh, for me is that practice in the morning because it doesn't ever end at one minute. That's what I say to myself is you just have one minute, but I just love it now. I mean, I can't wait, you know, I'm just excited for what is God going to tell me today? You know, and what, what is, um, and then uh, of course I pray a lot as well. So that's across the day. So I pray multiple times. I don't pray for anything. I'm just aware of the presence of God and I'm aware that I am 
uh, walking the path of God. So I have a prayer. It's a both ritualistic. So I have made, um, I've made it both. I've made it both just being able to be silent. So if I'm working, I can close my eyes and go into that mode. And I also have the time because I mean, I'm Muslim. So prayer in itself is a ritual. So we pray five times a day. So that is a way for me to step aside from whatever I'm doing, take the time to be one with God. And that's a practice that I do across the day as well. So even if you're not Muslim or whatever, you know, just having that time to stop whatever you're doing, take the time to recognize that you are connected to the source. You feel whatever is that word you want to use, energy, universe, uh, you know, um, you are connected, you're connected to your heart, you're connected to who you are. And that's also another big part of, of my daily rituals. Uh, I will say though, that a friend of mine wanted to interview me over the habits that I have. And I laughed because I said, what a joke that you're talking to me about habits and I have none. And I went, he actually extended the session. So it, it was a two and a half hour session because I didn't realize everything I do in my life is actually a habit I've cultivated, but it's become so deeply ingrained with me that I don't even realize anymore that what I'm doing in my life is a habit that I cultivated 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It's just something that I do and I'm living an entire life. Even the thoughts that I have are things that I have attained through a habitual practice. And it was through that podcast with him that it started flowing and I just couldn't believe it. I was just because he said, you know, I, I don't care. I know you think you don't have any habits, but I really want to do this with you. <laughs> so I did. And like you said, there's like another classic example of a friend knowing more about me than I knew about myself. And it just flowed and flowed and flowed. And two hours later, I just said, I surprised myself today. I didn't yeah. realize what a disciplined life I lead. And I look at myself as the most undisciplined or I don't know what the opposite of discipline, most chaotic person <laughs> that I know. Um, it's quite the contrary. I think every step of the way I have created so much habit and discipline in my life that I don't even recognize the difference anymore. Yeah. What podcast was that? Uh, it's a, a man by the name of Phil Randazzo. I'll, I'll share it with you actually. Okay. Um, I would appreciate I share that. It <laughs> so, um, Shireen, what has been your greatest life lesson learned on the path that you would like to share for Taiha and myself in the audience? Whew. my greatest life lesson. <sighs> Sorry, I, I'm taking a second because I really want to, I really want to do this answer justice. I think the greatest life lesson that I have learned is that we are here to serve God, that we are not here to serve one another, that we are all here to serve the source. And I, I say that because it is the latest lesson I have received. And when I received this lesson, um, you know, if we ever talk two years from now, please ask me this question again, yes. because maybe it will be another answer. But uh, like I said, I have now recognized the beauty in everyone, in every relationship, in 
um, every person that has come into my life. And now I look at them as an angel. And it came to me when the lesson that I received was, we are all here to serve God. We are not here um, to be of service to another or to feel that we receive service from one, one another. And it's funny I say that because today I teach because I'm serving God, really. I, I, I am not lying. I am not serving anybody but God. And I'm consistently following the path that God is asking me. And I, I believe me when I tell you the day God asks me to stop teaching, I will stop. Because if I believed I was serving human beings and I was serving people, then I would not. I would not stop teaching because I would believe that that is what I'm doing. I'm serving others and I'm not here to serve others. And I've used that line a long, long time in my life. I've said this many times. I want to serve others. I want to be uh, a help to others. And now I know, no, I am only serving God and God is telling me what to do. By serving God, I am indirectly doing things that may look like I'm serving others, but the reality is I'm only serving God. And um, I believe this line is actually in the Bible too. So at least that is what my Bible study facilitator said to me when I said that line. She said to me, this line is in the Bible too. So I don't know. But uh, now, again, it is one thing to read it and to know it. It is another to feel it. And that is what I mean when I say there is only enough and there is only so much you can know when you truly feel it, it is completely different. At that point, words make no difference. You know, you just feel, you just feel the heart and you are able to connect. Beautiful. Your last <laughs> questions, Taya. All right. We got one more for me. In three this words. This keeps getting harder, guys. No, this, well, some people think this is hard. Um, in three words, how would you describe the experience you are having on this earth? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to copy Wim. Happy, healthy, and strong. Mm, I'm going to it. copy Wim. Happy, healthy, and strong. That's beautiful. And then my last um, series of questions here. So we've been playing around with time and I'm a magician, so I'm able to do so. We all are magicians. So let's fast forward into the future. And normally I say 85, but you, you want a long life. So we're going to be at 95 years old for you, Shireen. What does that 95 year old Shireen Yusuf look like? What is your life? What is the legacy that you've left behind? So um, um, amazing. So by the way, I actually don't want a long life. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping that I leave in the 60s or the 70s. That's what I've always been saying. And then, um, and then God showed me that uh, you haven't had children yet. So be patient with yourself if you change your mind. And so now I'm like quiet, you know, I don't know if I'll still want that or not. But uh, I say that because a year ago, Derek, I, um, so much was happening in my life and I was feeling pain and awareness and openness in such an extreme fashion that I just wanted to die. I just wanted to die. I just could not, um, I could not fathom another day 
of that much level of awareness of, because when you are aware of everything you're doing, you recognize your uh, thoughts are coming up, your awareness of how you're feeling, like you just, it's just too much. You know, it's just too much and it was too much for me. And I remembered saying again and again, I just, I just want to die. I can't do this anymore. It's too much for me. I can't live this life. I've had enough. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you've shown me what love means. This is before I met Brian, by the way. Right? So my awareness of what love meant at that point, I thought I had experienced it all. I thought I had felt it all. And I just thought to myself, enough, enough. I've had it enough. I've experienced enough. Now, please, I just want to die, please. And two days after that, I got into an accident that was the most severe accident I've ever had. My car uh, got hit by a stone, a rock. It swerved and it really, I mean, I, I won't go into the details, but basically bottom line, uh, my car flew, it landed and it actually went across the highway at the peak of uh, traffic time. And I remembered my entire life flashed before my eyes. And uh, I, I thought this was it, I've, I'm going to die. And uh, I did not. In fact, if anything, I actually, for some reason, I remember looking up and there were cars in front of me. And I looked in my rear view mirror and there were like 10 or 20 cars behind me, but there was nothing next to me. So when I went across the highway, that would have been the time that I would have hit something and it did not. And when um, that happened, you know, of course I won't go into it and it was crazy what happened to me that the rest of the day, but that was the first time that I realized God was telling me it's not time yet. That you wanted to experience death, I will give it to you, but it's not your time yet. And since then, I have been able to get to a place where, of course, I don't want to die anymore because I felt like you truly do get what you ask for. But I think God was showing me that you asked for it. I'm giving it to you, but also be aware that I'm listening to you when you ask for things. So that was also a huge awareness. So I was like, okay, I better be careful for what I ask for from now on. You know, there is somebody listening because it really happened like not even two days. I remember it was like it happened and then it happened right after. So my wish when I'm whatever age it is that I am, is to feel what I'm feeling right now, which is so grateful that I get to experience another day where I get to walk the path to get closer to God. Mm. That's it. That's beautiful. And what would that 70, 75, 85, whatever age that is, what advice would that Shireen send back to you right now, right here? Same, like I said before, which is you are exactly where you are doing exactly what you're doing. And you know, you know what to do. Follow your heart. And what, what a beautiful way to close. Thank you so much, Shireen. <laughs> This was a pleasure, a joy. I told you, Taha, that we have to talk to Shireen, and I was right. <laughs> so where can they find you, Shireen? Um, how can they take your courses? Well, like, tell us where the audience, yeah. how can they connect with you? So uh, this is an interesting time for me. I am actually, um, I've been getting 
a lot of, um, let's just say that I've been getting a lot of guidance to go online. So in the past, I was only doing workshops and I was only, uh, you know, here my studio is in Houston. I went to India last year. I've been doing a lot of work in India, um, you know, remotely and uh, staying connected. Uh, but I did eight workshops there. So I've been physically going to Oman, India, and I've been traveling all over the US. You know, I went to Boise, thanks to Zarin, yeah. as north as Boise. And then I obviously did, you know, workshops in New Mexico and Texas and different parts of Texas. In Louisiana, I went to um, uh, Arkansas, Little Rock, you know, I went to a, a number of states and, you know, COVID happened. And uh, what a blessing. What a blessing because I stopped for a second and I was able to go deeper into my meditation practice and I got the next barrage on, on what I should be doing moving forward. So for now, you know, I'll just leave it at um, Instagram is at Sudaprem Studio, which is my uh, studio, S-U-D-A-P-R-E-M studio. And then on Facebook, I am, my page is at Breath Conductor. So uh, that's going to be, if you want to know any of the events, any of the workshops, it's all going to be posted there. But I will just say that I'm now working on uh, actually creating. So I just got invited from um, a person who has started a breath and meditation app called Om Hum, A-U-M-H-U-M. And I'm going to start working with him. Uh, and I'm going to be doing guided uh, breath and meditation tracks on his breathing and meditation app. So through that, I hope to reach out to more people who will follow it. And then, of course, on my own, I am planning to put together a number of courses um, because it's not, you know, like I, I have realized now that, yes, I teach breath. I actually haven't started teaching meditation in my workshops. I have now started going into it, but uh, it is something that is a huge calling for me to start going really into meditation too because I'm amazed at the number of people who have told me, I can't meditate. Mm -hmm. If you can breathe, you can meditate. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it's just the fact that your teacher hasn't shown you or you haven't found a teacher to break it down to you to that level. And if you can breathe, you can meditate. So what that means is every single human being <laughs> on this planet Earth is, is able to meditate. And I think that uh, that is going to be something that I'm wanting to work on more. And I really feel a passion towards working more with women. So I'm going to start a course only for women. That also is something that I'm working on um, to really be able to experience the divine goddess within through breath and meditation. So these are some of the things that I'm working on right now. I'm very excited. Like, you know, I don't have enough going on already, right? So I'm... <laughs> so... I'm being very gentle with myself and I'm telling myself that I will go at the pace, but I can feel it, you know, I mean, till about a month ago, it was uh, all of the stuff that was happening with my marriage. And I'm grateful that my relationship is in an, in an incredible, beautiful place, uh, incredibly beautiful place. My husband and I are stronger than we've ever been. And I feel his support in my path, uh, 150%, you know, he wants to be there for me. And um, so I now feel the strength, I feel the force, and I feel that I'm able, because the um, union 
of the masculine and the feminine has to happen within. Mm -hmm. And then when it happens with another, you truly experience divinity and unity on a whole different level. Mm -hmm. And I am, I'm so lucky to experience that with my husband right now, you know, so I am now, I'm now surfing the wave of the energy that I'm receiving from the union of, of my husband and I. Beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I'm going to remember this stuff because of what <laughs> I'm working on and just integrating, integrating, integrating everywhere. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much you. for your time. Can't, thank you. Can't wait to connect with you in a year or two from now and see what other developments <laughs> are there. So yeah. with that, let's bring our fist up in the air and bring it in fist bump fist bump. Circle. thank you thank and you that's so the, much and that is a wrap <laughs> have a good one